Hello, and welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through toys, collectibles, and film discussion. episode, I'm kicking off a new series titled The Best Toys Ever. This Cantina Chatter series will focus on one awesome toy in each episode. In each of these episodes, a guest will join me to discuss these toys, explaining why they are so important and how they have left an impact on toy collecting. It will not be a regular series, but you can expect for these episodes to pop up from time to time. In this inaugural episode, The focus will be on what is perhaps the greatest Star Wars toy released in the last 24 years, and that is the new Hasbro HasLab Star Wars The Vintage Collection Java Sail Barge, the Katana. That's a long one. I recently reviewed the Katana on the Victoria's Cantina YouTube channel. I assume that many of you have seen the review, but if you haven't, it's the perfect counterpart to this episode, so I will put a link to it in the show notes. I will also be joined in this episode by none other than Chris from BanthaSkull.com, friend of the podcast, and one of the great people in charge of doing fantastic work over at BanthaSkull. Before we get into our chat about the sail barge, I was recently contacted by Paul Newitt over on our Facebook page. Paul was kind enough to share a really cool story with me that will tie in perfectly with this episode. So back in 1982, Paul was lucky enough to see the actual set for the sail barge during the filming of Return of the Jedi. How amazing is that? He was also kind enough to send along several photos from his visit, along with a story explaining what he saw. So I'd like to read it to you. Paul M. Newitt's Amazing Adventure, The Making of Return of the Jedi at Buttercup Valley, California. Here's the story of my adventure to an actual Star Wars filming location in California, which was a stone's throw from Yuma, Arizona. It was during April of 1982 that a friend's newspaper boy told him that he and his dad were riding their off-road motorcycles out in the desert and noticed that they were making a Star Wars movie. The fake name for the movie was Blue Harvest, but they knew it was really a Star Wars set built out there. Word spread quickly amongst the fans of our Star Trek slash sci-fi club, Star San Diego, and like a scene from It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, we all jumped into our cars, quickly made the trek east from San Diego to Buttercup Valley, a state park. It's well known to Hollywood, where the Rat Patrol TV series and The Last Flight of the Phoenix, the original film, was shot. When we drove out there, we discovered that off the main highway, there was a southbound road that was watered down to get to the site. Driving up a sand knoll, I was greeted with the incredible sight of Java's sail barge, although we had no idea what it was then. It was huge and so impressive. I thought, science fiction is real. They only built one side. I took about four 36 exposure rolls of 35 millimeter slides that I scanned. Among the photos I've included are, yes, that's me in a cowboy hat. I found it, so I put it on. Views of the sail barge, when we saw aliens sticking their faces out of the shutters. Lots of activity on the set. 
a helicopter flyover with a round camera mount for flyover scenes. I think I saw ILM's Richard Edlin step out of the copter when it landed. We saw a forklift next to an A-frame setup, which was for the scene of lifting R2 and 3PO out of the sand. We saw the skiffs and stunt people practicing on them to fall onto padding below. Several R2 units were lifted into the barge for different FX scenes. We saw the speeders just waiting to be used. Gotta wonder if they were intended for use by the Empire in the sand barge scenes. But was it cut out? We saw Mark Hamill and he was gracious enough to talk to us through the cyclone fence surrounding the set for over an hour. This is him in a checkered blue robe. The nicest guy that he is, I remember him saying, we should really make a movie named Blue Harvest. We saw Carrie up on the deck with the gun in her metal bikini. Kind of a wow moment. Only by more curious attention on some sort of guy with a jetpack flying into some sort of pit. The bunch of us had to hide in front of a bulldozer blade during a short sandstorm while we were there. Overall, it was a spectacular visit and some of us went out there three or more times. It was hot and dusty, but way too much fun. It took until 1983 when Jedi premiered to know how all of this would make sense and just who Jabba was. When we saw the movie, it all made sense. Thanks. Hope the podcast goes well. Paul. Yeah, you guys, these photos are are really quite great. So uh, I'm going to uh, be posting some of them on social media in the coming days. Uh, So if you want to check them out, be sure you're following on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. And uh, I'll definitely be putting these on there because uh, these are really, really great photos. And um, there's even a photo here that um, Paul took of Mark Hamill wearing that checkered robe. And that is a lot of fun. I mean, this is like classic Mark Hamill just looking at this picture. Yeah, so awesome. That's also a really interesting suggestion he makes about the speeders being there on the set. Uh, why would there have been speeder bikes on a Tatooine in the Dune Sea? Uh, there's a lot we can speculate on there. I'd like to get some more information on that, but that's the first I've heard of this. And it does make you wonder if there was maybe a, a moment where the Empire was drawn to all the commotion going out at the Dune Sea and uh, were called in or something. Very curious stuff. And you can definitely see where they took a lot of the design elements from this set and incorporated them into Jabba's sail barge, uh, the Katana Toy. Um, so yeah, that that's awesome. I knew the Dune Sea sequences were shot here in California, very close to the Arizona border, just a few hours as drive from San Diego. From what I've read online, believe it or not, people that go out to Buttercup Valley still find fragments of the sail barge and the rest of the set out there. I'd love to visit it someday. Uh, I'm sure it would be quite an adventure. Uh, but to actually have been there as it was shooting, I mean, that's as good as it gets. A huge thank you to Paul for sharing his story with us. All right, Chris from Bantha Skull, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. It's great to have you back on Cantina Chatter. So what have you been up to lately? Oh, I've been putting together a rather large toy. Uh, You might have heard about it. (laughs) I think I might have heard about that one. Yeah, Jabba Sail Barge is the reason we are uh, talking today. Um, This has been like a year-long process from announcement to... Uh, the occasional updates that Hasbro was uh, sending out via email that neither one of us received. 
Right. And um, I don't know if you were aware, uh, Mr. Stevie actually commented when uh, on our site that when people were receiving them, that it was something you had to opt into. And I forgot to mention that to you. And uh, apparently I didn't opt in. And I'm guessing neither did you. Yeah, which uh, that strikes me as interesting because I um, it, it, I, I usually don't miss details like that. <laughs> so it must have been very obscure. Right. Well, I think this is their shakedown cruise. So they probably went through some some bumps with their their first run of this of course of course um but i think overall they delivered on on the time that they said they were going to uh, be sending out the barge because it took roughly about a year and it actually made uh, its way into homes i think about a week or so after they originally said was it not yeah they i believe they originally said it was going to ship on the 28th and they shipped march 4th so 20th of february to march 4th so not too bad there especially considering that they completely overshot their uh their original goal of 5,000 and going to 8,800. I'm sure they had to make more of them than that. Yeah, yeah, good point. Tacked on a little extra time. Totally. So let's go back to Toy Fair of 2018. Uh, Hasbro announces that they are going to be doing this brand new sort of initiative called HasLab. And the very first project is a crowdfund sort of a project. It's Java Sail Barge. Uh, what were your initial impressions based upon that announcement? Do, do, have you ever seen those videos on, on YouTube where somebody gives somebody a fake scratch ticket uh, that's a winner? Um, and, you know, it's just it's just a prank, and they, they get all excited and think they won. I was, at first, I was, I was actually pretty calm because I was expecting the rug to get pulled out from under me. I've been waiting for this thing, I'd be literally almost all my entire life. Uh, so when, when they, when they announce, I'm like, this can't be real. What's wrong? What am I missing? Is it a, is it going to be some drastically scaled down, um, version of it? And so I was in absolute disbelief probably until we got down to the showroom. I, I, I couldn't even comprehend that this was real. And <laughs> fortunately it was. Yeah. So it was certainly out of left field. I don't think anybody expected that this was going to be something, um, maybe that was ever going to happen for one, but also something that Hasbro was going to try to use uh, as this HasLab initiative to try and get it done. Um, because it does seem kind of unusual for a company like Hasbro, you know, such a big multi-million dollar corporation to try and crowdfund something. Um, and I know a lot of people have uh, negative feelings on that. Some, you know, don't really have any feelings, opinions about it. And that's a totally different conversation. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was a very uh, it was a very surprising thing, and uh, you know, I too was immensely excited for it. I never expected that I would be adding Java Sail Barge to my collection. So that seemed to be pretty much the consensus for people that had been collecting these toys for a long time. Was you know, there was a lot of excitement. Uh, Hasbro was finally you know doing something pretty awesome for three and three quarter inch, which they hadn't really done for several years. Right. So um, yeah, a lot, lot of excitement all the way around. I, I literally had in the once i got down to the showroom and yes this is real i i literally had goosebumps and it's a little embarrassing to to admit that a, a grown man getting goosebumps over a toy but that that's <laughs> the state i was in that day yeah. I, in fact i they, they they had a little uh postcard that announced there was just announcing the the, the sale barge the has lab initiative and i've kept that as just a, a memento i've protected it because that was just a great memory that day of this getting announced that's awesome. Um, so yeah, so Hasbro sent out updates. So one of the first things they actually sent out was uh, the booklet that uh, accompanied the barge. Did you receive the booklet? I did. Okay, so Should I didn't. Receive? I didn't get the first. Like they sent me one, and I never received it. So I had to contact them again, and 
Uh, fortunately, they resent it, and uh, I got it eventually. <laughs> um, and people have been putting those on eBay by themselves and making a little bit of money off of those. Yes, I saw that, and uh, people were wondering why. And and, and if, if you've been in the collectible into collectibles for a while, you'll notice that people, if they can't get the Holy Grail, they'll try to get something that's near it. Um, I know there's uh, the Stretch Arm, Armstrong dolls. There's one, and I forget the name of which variant it was. It was a serpent. And people will pay big money just for the head. So I, mm. I had a feeling that that booklet would go for money just so people, you know, if you couldn't get the barge, you get the next best thing. You get something close to the barge. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think you can kind of see that a little bit with some of the things they announced this year, like the Jabba's Palace Adventure set and uh, even the skiff especially because that's almost, if you think about it, kind of like a baby barge. Right. And that per personally, uh, for for me, talk about a one-two punch for Toy Fair. I feel like uh, I feel like again. I'm still dreaming because the skiff was so high on my list. I can't stand the the, the power of the Force Two one, which was of course the uh, the, the vintage one. Uh, it's not scaled properly for the figures, and you can't get your all your figures on there. And I think you know we we've kind of transcended from you know to to a bit to the detriment of the line. We've kind of transcended from from toy collectors to really display and environment collectors uh -huh. so so having that 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 skiff that was undersized and you couldn't really put the guards on you know in there appropriately without cramming them all in i was so thrilled to see the skiff uh get announced as well but i know i'm getting off on a tangent oh yeah it's perfectly okay all of this stuff is gonna tie into each other eventually i suppose right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so we finally got our skiffs um or our skiffs our barges uh mine arrived on uh Thursday, and uh, when did you receive your barge? I, I so I backed two. I got the first one this past Saturday, uh, despite the tracking say it was showing up on Monday, and I got the second one yesterday. Very cool. So, um, as soon as you got it, did you rip right into it? The the the, the first one, yeah, absolutely ripped right into it. My uh, my wife was my quote unquote barge buddy, and uh, we <laughs> carefully carefully took it. She wouldn't touch the actual box the, the the vintage collection box she that was the one part she was she goes if anything gets damaged it's going to be on you you she didn't want to want to do it but we got it out took it apart and uh it was great nice yeah i was just chomping at the bit for it to come in because i wanted to do a video for it and uh it came in you know this thing is huge um for anybody that's received it it's the box is probably four and a half feet long uh it, it's it's maybe even five feet long it, it's huge um, and, uh, so for me to review it, I had to do a, a special setup, like in my home office where, uh, you know, I, I, relied on natural light, which I don't, I have studio lighting for like reviewing action figures and, you know, things like that. But for something of this size, that just wasn't going to work. So, uh, I had to rely on natural lighting and, um, you know, setting it up along the wall where you could get the whole thing and, you know, within the frame of the camera and, uh, it, it got it arrived a little bit too late in the day, so I wasn't able to really do much on Thursday. But then Friday, uh, you know, I used practically the entire day to, to open it up, set it up, you know, do the videos. And uh, gosh, I probably spent about 11 hours of, of Friday so, solely focused on the barge between all of that. And I wonder, uh, I wonder how many people are calling out uh, barge recipients called out sick the next day when they got theirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a few people who said they were going to be home. They were going to purposefully stay home <laughs> that day that that they were receiving it. And I know right. some people had there were some hiccups there. Not everybody received on the day they expected it to show up. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it, it was it was it was very impressive. But when I opened the door that day and the FedEx guy was there with this huge box, 
uh, I was like, all right, go ahead and bring it on in. Did, did, did uh, your FedEx guy interview you? Because mine did. He uh, said, what, what's going on with this? I'm delivering these all over the place. Oh, wow. No, I, I didn't I didn't hear anything from him. Um, he just he just took my signature and that was about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it's quite something um, as far as the actual like packing and protection. They did double box it. Um, yes. I, I don't know if they had said they were going to put foam like around the inside box or if they had not. But I know a lot of people were uh, taking issue with that. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the overall condition in which it arrived? So um, if I remember correctly, the original uh, discussion was there's going to be foam around the corners of, of the inside the ship around the corners of the vintage collection box, um, which upon further reflection, I realized that actually would lower the integrity of the box because you know the foam would actually raise the shipper carton you know half inch or whatever away from the the actual vintage collection box and wherever there wasn't foam that would create a weak point mm. so i was i was wondering if that's why hasbro pivoted to the to the box within a box uh, kind of a theme from um, uh -huh. toy fair this year but um, i wonder if that's why they went to that uh, but to answer your question my outer boxes they show signs that they've been shipped across the country the, uh, fortunately, both of the inner shippers were fine, and the vintage collection boxes themselves are, I mean, you know, they're not going to, uh, I'll never say they're mint, but they're good enough for, for, for what, what, their, what their job is. So I was pretty happy with the condition that it arrived, but I know there's been a lot of pictures online of people having um, some, some uh, frustrating experiences with that. Right, yeah, that... Um... Uh, I, I've seen those. Uh, I think I saw one that had like a puncture like through the, the outer box. So it's a good thing they right. did double box it. Um, but yeah, mine arrived in pretty good condition overall. There was a little bit of a, a little bit of crushing on one of the corners. And uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I bought this to take it out of the package and get it on the shelf. So it's not for me, it's not really the end of the world if the, if the actual product box is a little bit, you know, not in the best shape. But um I honestly, I don't know, even know what I'm going to do with the box because I really don't have room for it. And again, it's just tremendously big. And uh, yeah, that's 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 going to be a whole uh, problem into itself. My, my boxes are still sitting in back, everything packed back in. So the vintage collection box inside this, the inner box inside the shipper box <laughs> in my office right now. I, I too don't know what I'm going to do with these right now. Yeah, it's uh. So, did you get two of them? Did you want to open one up, or were you keeping one like to keep keep boxed, or what? What were your intentions? One definitely to to open up. Um, uh, in fact, I I actually had to clear a decent chunk of my display space up to to put it out. Sad note on that, I had to uh, put my ATTE in mothballs. It's no longer on display. Hmm. Sacrifice I had to to make room. So one was definitely to open. Um, the other one was just kind of to have, for lack of a lack of a better word. I was just so excited that this was such a landmark item. I just wanted the one. Yeah, it's, and probably not a bad idea either, because obviously there's not going to be a way for us to get them again. So right. Um, I actually had to buy an entire new new shelf to display this thing. So I have this shelf uh, that I've had for a few years now, and uh, it's multi-tiered. It's about seventy four inches high, I think. And uh, the overall dimensions of, of the barge, when I was looking at them on the HasLab website, uh, it seemed to indicate that this shelf was perfect for displaying the barge. And uh, so the one that I had already, I have the, like you, I have the ATAT -AT on there. 
Uh, it's a little bit of like an indoor setup. So I have like the, the Imperial shuttle, the ATST, uh, the, the indoor bunker, and, uh, you know, just quite a few different figures, um, speeder bikes, things like that. Um, so I, I went ahead and bought another one of these shelves and I had no problem doing that because honestly, it, it, it was just a way for me to get more toys on display in addition to just playing the barge. So, um, the barge is like right on the top of it and I'll have to send you a picture. It, it's, uh, it's glorious. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I taken to using the, um, basically a, a closet shelving system. Um, but I just, put a, put the rails on the wall and, and then I had, they, they accommodate up to 24 inches deep, uh, with those. So that's what I, that's what I'm doing. I had that already uh, for the, the Falcon, the BMF and the ATT, but as the, the Falcon got rehomed and, and the ATT got put out to pasture, so to speak, collecting pasture. Yeah. That, that's a tough thing when you've been collecting these toy lines for, you know, decades, uh, it just becomes impossible to display everything. So I've always taken the approach that, you know, I'm never going to be able to see everything 100% of the time. But, you know, if I can at least rotate things in, you know, once a year or whatever, um, at least, you know, I'll get to see everything a little bit and appreciate it in that way. So, it, And you get a renewed appreciation. It's fun. It's fun mm. when you do that, when you, cite, when you rotate your collection. I'm coming around to that finally. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so as far as the assembly of the sail barge goes, uh, I think at the bare minimum, we could say it's a little bit of an adventurous process, isn't it? It, it certainly is. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I was nervous, uh, especially putting the sails together. Uh, it didn't it didn't hit me until actually doing it. You know, if, if you buy buy something at the store, and you break it during assembly, you take it back. This was kind of building a toy without a parachute uh and i was very nervous about putting putting the sails together uh it it takes a decent amount of pulling and tugging to get everything to clip in properly uh and then obviously writing the instructions it says don't don't lean it on the railing so i was treating everything with kid gloves to make sure i didn't i didn't break or snap any of of those items so it was a bit nerve-wracking i have to say it was um you know, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, it was the kind of thing where I took it out of the box and I was, I was filming the video as I was like, you know, going through the process of, okay, here's the inner box, here's the product box. And, uh, you know, here's the product unassembled. And then I, you know, I assembled it. Then I came back to shooting more video, but, um, I was very scared. <laughs> I was very conscious of making sure that, you know, I was handling it carefully. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a barge buddy to set this up, but I managed. Uh, I definitely don't recommend that. <laughs> I think if you have a barge <laughs> buddy, that's best. Um, but it was an interesting process. Um, the barge is very hard to assemble if you are doing it on your own because there are parts that you have to put underneath it, like the little antennas and the little pieces that stick out of the engine and the clear legs. So uh, you definitely want to have two people to do that. But uh, the issues that I that I was most uh, afraid uh, afraid were going to happen uh, kind of did happen, and that was with the sails. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but the sails on this thing are they designed them in a way so that they could be very true to the film, which I mean I greatly appreciate. But at the same time, the drawback to that is that they are a pain to assemble. Absolutely. Uh... You're gonna need uh, if you do it without tools. You're gonna have to have very strong, good finger strength because you have to pull 
pull that fabric to, uh, to about its, it feels like, it feels like to its ripping point, but it's obviously that's just, that was just my nerves while doing it. But it was a, it was a challenging thing to get those sales put together. Um, you, in, especially, you know, in both directions, you know, when you, when you're going over the, the, the spine the long way, um, to get the point in, you really have to, if you think about it, you have to extend that clamp or whatever it is. You have to mm-hmm. extend it a decent portion past the end of the spine and then slip it back on. So it, 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 it definitely felt like I was stressing the uh, the materials to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I don't feel that the instructions are quite what they need to be, uh, especially for that for that particularly for that portion of the assembly. Um, they're a little bit vague. They show you a few images, but I felt like some of the images didn't even match what the actual product parts looked like. So I was kind of confused. I, I thought the same thing, and, and you know, I was trying to look for landmarks um, such as the the loudspeakers on on the on the uh, masts for the sails. Um, and at times, I was looking at the picture. Even with my I, um, people that know me know, know that I don't have the greatest uh, vision anymore. But even with my reading glasses on, I was like, "Is that the loudspeaker?" I couldn't tell what which side in the instructions I was looking at. Yeah, it uh, it was definitely a bit tricky. And one of the things that companies like Sideshow do is is they uh, they they put together these videos like for their higher end items, like the statues, and they say, okay, this is how you assemble it. Even for like the hot toys, they'll do videos and say, okay, this is how you can pose your figure. Uh, I really feel like like Hasbro for an item like this. I mean, it, it it would be really inexpensive and pretty easy to do. I could do it for them. Is do it like an assembly video where they just have somebody showing you. Okay, so you bought the barge. You know, here's how you assemble it. And you know, they just they just go through the process of assembling like the sails and everything. I really wonder why they didn't do that. That that would have been um, that would have been very helpful. I agree with that. And part of me is saying, well, you know, would they have to worry about? Um, different languages but of course it was only sold in that this version was only sold in the united states and canada mm-hmm. so you know effectively three languages right um the thing i had with the sales that that was the most difficult is so you have like that t-shaped mass like the, like the main like post that clips into the barge to its body um what i did is there's a frame that goes on top of that and it has like it's like the triangle shapes that are like the big frame uh the canvas for the uh, for the material that goes over it, uh, for the actual sale. So I, um, when I was putting that together and, and this goes back to the instructions just being a little bit inadequate is that I put it on backwards and I just hadn't, just didn't notice it. Um, so when you push it in, you would think that it should be able to only assemble one way. Uh, unfortunately that wasn't the case. Uh, when I was plugging it in, it actually snapped even though it went in backwards so that middle portion um, between that frame and then the main part of that post, they, it went together right away and I could not get it out. I had to keep pulling on it. I, I, I pulled out the hairdryer and my husband eventually came along and we started working on it together. And he was like, you know, you're going to break it if you keep, you know, pulling it too hard. And eventually I was able to get like a really tiny uh, flathead screwdriver and I just kind of wedged it between the two pieces and, you know, it came off. Um, relatively easily at that point. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just quite a process and forgetting like the actual material of the sales on, um, uh, he helped me with that too. Cause like you said, you need some, you need some strength to pull that sail around the edges of the frame. And, um, we were afraid a couple of times that, you know, we were going to tear it or you know, it was going to come apart, but luckily not, uh, everything in the end seemed to come together. Okay. Uh, even though, 
you know, like we're saying, it's, it's quite a process to get this thing together. You definitely need to dedicate a lot of time to it and, uh, you know, be very careful going about it. If I, if I can give an anecdote about that, um, I too thought I did, I put the sale together backwards, um, very carefully disassembled it. And then what's worse is I realized I did have it correct the first time. So I went through the process just for practice, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the good news is that if you ever assemble another one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very well uh, practiced on it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as far as like actual uh, after assembly, um, you noted that you had a couple issues with your barge. Now, I'm, I was trying to look over mine to identify any specific issues. There's only a couple of very minor ones. And um, maybe the more significant one is, uh, okay, so you know the fins that are towards the back of the barge, like on the panels? Yes. All right. Yes. So one of the fins, the one that's like on the on the left side, I guess, where where you take the panels off, uh, it has like a little spoke that kind of sticks out from the bottom of the fin. And that yes. one that one was a little. It looks a little bit stressed. Like maybe it was a little bit bent in the package. Um, that's really the only major thing that I can find. And even then, I don't think it's a major thing. Um, and the very front of the barge, like where you know the snout, you know, we'll call it. Um, it has a like a little bit of a scuff on it. It's, it's not too noticeable. You kind of have to have the light hit it just right to see it. But um, other than that, it seems to be in pretty good condition. Yeah, but overall, mine is in good condition except for the um, the antennas that plug into the to be, right to the on the sides of the cockpit. They're they're supposed to be boomerang shaped, and one of mine is boomerang shaped, and the other one it's as if they didn't inject enough plastic into the mold when they were making it. Instead of being a boomerang shape it's basically just a straight line and, and much shorter the, the straight line portion is much shorter than the one that's correct so mm. the, uh, the problem is it's the one that's facing me as i have it displayed and you know how we collectors are if, if something's wrong that's where your eye goes every single time so <laughs> uh, <laughs> right yeah. now right now it's driving me up a wall <laughs> yeah I, I definitely hear you on that um, yeah, those are kind of tricky to get into because they're very flimsy, like they're very rubbery. If you try and push on them, they bend and you're like, okay, am I pushing it too hard? Am I not pushing it enough? Um, and I found the same to be true with uh, the parts that come off from the sails. Um, not not that plug into like the top deck, but like that plug in on the sides. Yes. Uh, I yes. felt that I had to push those like really hard to get them in. The, 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 those two antennas too, they are keyed. So you can't, you know, um, if you know, there's a, there's a slot, uh, in the hole and then on the antenna itself, there's, there's a slot and it's not centered. So if you try to put the, you know, the port side antenna into the starboard side, it's not going to go in. So that's another assembly that people haven't assembled. Make sure you have the correctly keyed antenna for the side of the barge. Otherwise you could force too hard and, and damage it. Um, and as far as those, those attachments for the sails, I'm basically, again, I'm, I'm, I'm babying it, so I just barely put them in. As long as they're not floating free in space, I'm I'm not pressing my luck on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another thing that we had issues with, it sounds like, were, was the prison cell. Um, so this, this little Athorian prisoner in there who's like rotting away, who knows how long he's been in there. Um, great looking sculpt. Uh, it seems like it is permanently affixed to the inside of the cell, so you, unfortunately you can't pull it out. Um, but there are a couple of slots in there for plugging in the two chains that come as part of the set. So, uh, we, I know we, we talked about it and we, we both were really struggling to get those pieces in. Uh, have you had any success on that end? I got the chains in, but not 
because I opened the, the, the cell door all the way. It only goes about 50%. Uh, and on the We Back the Barge Facebook group, there seemed to be a common uh, thread that people couldn't open the cell door all the way. Uh, I, and they said that you, you could just, with patience, you can get all the way open. But again, I'm not, I'm not pressing my luck on any of that. So <laughs> I just left it halfway open and uh, opened the trap door on the top, the, the, uh, the prisoner trap door, and opened up a few more panels so I could see what I was doing with my hand. And it took a while, but I did manage to finally get both of the chains attached to the wall. Right on. Yeah, it, it was quite a struggle uh, for me, like just like even getting my hand in there was kind of difficult. But uh, eventually I was able to kind of just hold the, the end of the chain that plugs into the wall, the, the little piece that plugs in just right. It took multiple attempts, but I finally was able to get it into uh, one of those holes and then uh, wrap the, uh, the other end of the chain around the figure's uh, ankle. And um, yeah, it, it, it looks pretty good. It's a little bit harder than I think it should have been, but uh, ultimately it works. So I guess I'm a little bit over that frustration at this point. <laughs> if, if anything, we're working on our patience with this. Yeah, definitely. Um, so other than that, did you have any other issues with your barge as far as uh, QC or the overall um, uh, way in which it went together? Uh, no, um, the, everything's, you know, it seems to be with a normal for a mass produced item. Uh, well, within what I consider acceptable tolerances uh the issue i don't know if we want to bring it up the included yak face um one of mine i know a lot of people are finding this the the semi-circular line uh on the top of the card one of mine it's very pronounced um it, it it almost breaks the color of the card on that so that's disappointing especially since that's pretty much designed to be kept on card yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a little frustrating for me. I feel like they went all out on this barge, and it seems like they went to great lengths to, to protect it. When you're taking out of the packaging, it's very well encased with, within these foam pieces. And um, I, I think it's a pretty novel idea the way they, they approach, like putting the Yak Face figure in there. But I feel like for what you know, we paid for this, you know, five hundred dollars. That yeah, I think they could have thrown us a bone and just thrown in the star, you know, star case type clamshell in there to protect it a little bit better. You're making good points. In uh, construct, you know, uh, assembly video and a star a star case for the packing figure. Those are both great ideas. Yeah, it's um, it, it's interesting. I, I I really wish I understood that because uh, obviously Hasbro can produce their own types of clamshells they did that very well back in the uh VOTC days and um you know off and on with their exclusives that they were ha they had through target or you know what have you so um i know that that figure has practically the same dimensions as that case so it, it, it's just right. a little frustrating that they didn't do that but agreed um, but in either case it, it's a it's a gorgeous looking figure um not only that but reproducing it in this power of the force um paint scheme or, or card back design uh, with the coin and everything, uh, even though it's not a hundred percent recreation as, as uh, you noted previously that they brought right. the hot pink back, but they did away with the French um, words on there. Um, I, I still think it looks great. It's going to make a great uh, display piece, especially if you hang it like next to the barge or something. Um, just being able to look back and forth between the two, that's going to be a little overwhelming. I think. I, I couldn't stop staring at it. I'm not joking that the first day I, like being a little kid, you know, when you get your favorite toy and you take it with you everywhere, I immediately took my yak face out. The, the first one came in, in fairly decent condition. Um, I took my yak face out, put it in a star case and towed it around the house with me just so I could 
always look at it wherever I was. And yeah. I, I absolutely, I absolutely love the hut pink. Yeah, me too. It's uh, uh, when they first showed it with red. I mean, I, I don't have a huge vintage collection. I, I wasn't really around back then. I didn't start. I didn't get into uh, collecting Star Wars until uh, Power of the Force two. Um, but I mean, I've I've looked at it a lot, studied it a lot, and when I saw that they were doing recreating it with red, I was like, oh, okay, is is there so, is it maybe trying? Are they trying to modernize it a little bit more? Uh, by doing that but uh thankfully at, at the end of the day they did go back to the pink and i think it's pretty yes. glorious <laughs> agreed and and they they have done that hot pink with the um the i believe the lumat um ewok figure in the vintage collection so the hot pink was done so i was glad they they returned to it yeah you know which other one's pretty unique i think it's the power joy that has like pr- like a shade of purple yeah purple and then the um the imperial commander has a nice kind of a lavender nice uh pill surround yeah, I hope they they do more of those, uh, or even when they they bring new figures into the line, um, like a Jin or so or Ray or whatever. Um, they just have like the more you know the, the typical like the blue or the yellow. I'd like to see more of like those obscure colors, like the turquoise yeah. or the purple. Would yeah, be cool. it was the vintage Ken- Kenner was coming right on the heels of the muscle car, so all those safety colors from the muscle cars just put them on the pills. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, and yeah, so there's also a job of the HUD included in this uh, this case. Uh, we already knew that it was going to be the same old uh, black series three and three quarter inch uh, job of the HUD, which is uh, which was based on the digital model, I think, of the six inch black series Jabba. Uh, and when I first got the the, I don't know if you got the Toys R Us case that came with like the Jabba. It had the Rancor and it had some figures in it, but um, I, I loved that Jabba. Like I I've I've bought pretty much all the Jabba's in the modern line, and um, I feel like each one has gotten better. Um, and when I got that Black Series one initially, I felt like, okay, so this, look, looking at it next to that 2010 Jabba looks immensely better in my view. It, it just looks a lot more film accurate. Uh, I don't think they're going to top this, but then when you bring in the one that comes with a barge, even though it's the same sculpt and everything, uh, looking at them side by side, it, it's, it's incredible how much more detail they got with it. So I, I do, don't own the uh, that that one from the Black Series. I, I had all the other pieces, and I just couldn't bring myself to to spend what I think was a hundred something dollars just to get the the updated Jabba. So I'm thrilled to have it now um, via, via the sale barge. Uh, and my 2010 one, I I wish I had two of these actually. Now um, I, I'd like to put my 2010 one to rest because uh, every time I touch it, it gets stickier. I could use it as a wacky wall walker right now if I wanted to. Yeah, I, I hate that oh, when, when this happens. Um, and it's happened quite a bit on, I, I know through the years, you know, plastics break down and, um, you know, we tend to see that from time to time. It doesn't always happen. Most of the time it doesn't happen. But I have had toys where, uh, like back from the 90s that you look at them and they feel a little bit, you know, tacky or right. um, I think the most recent one, though, I believe I mentioned it to you was the uh, the vintage collection Republic Gunship. Um, I bought that one and then I basically, you know, I already had all these other gunships. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put this one together. I'm just going to leave it in its box. Um, but I had opened the box when I first received it. So I could like open it up and just take a look at all the contents and everything. Um, and then I put it back in the closet for probably a couple of years since I last opened it. But, um, uh, I finally opened it a couple months back and I noticed like the, the cardboard insert on the inside had like some, it looked like it had gone wet. I'm like, okay, well, that's, Ew, yeah. that's weird. 
Uh, but then I start pulling everything out and then like the back of the gunship, like the main hull is like all wet and sticky and it's got this goo dripping out of it. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's 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 heartbreaking when when, when that happens. It is. Were you, able, mean, mm-hmm. were you able to uh, restore it back to? Uh, not 100%. Um, I... I finally, I talked to a few people and what I've done in the past is I've just taken soap and water and, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of gone over it with a toothbrush. That usually works like on on figures, but in this case, uh, it just wasn't doing anything. The goo was like too thick and too sticky. So uh, I talked to uh, Adam Paulus about it and uh, he said, well, try a magic eraser. So I'm like, okay. So I got a magic eraser. I started going at it and it actually worked. It started taking off all of that stuff. Uh, unfortunately, the Republic gunship has a bunch of like little crevices and lines on it. And when that stuff gets in there, it's it's really difficult to clean it. Yep. Uh, I was able to ultimately get practically all of it off that I could access um, fairly easily. But uh, it came back after about a month for to some extent. It's a little bit sticky on the back again. So... Uh, I'm probably just going to, you know, call it a loss and, you know, <laughs> invest in a new one at some point. Well, that's a price you want to go get go get a new one. Yeah. Up. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like I already have uh, I've bought I bought this thing several times in the past. It's kind of like, can I just be happy with one of those other ones? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough because I feel like the, the vintage collection version is like the definitive Republic gunship. Right. Uh, it's got the best uh, detailing on it. It looks the most accurate to Attack of the Clones. And it's got the bubble turrets. And I just think it's the best one overall. So, I mean, that's that's a little bit hard of a pill to swallow, you know, to, to say, okay, well, it didn't work out. But I, I guess that's, that, that's the way it is when we're, you know, collecting all these things. You got to make some of those decisions sometimes. Right. Myself, I've actually sold all. I, I've never owned two Republic gunships at the same time. I just keep buying them and selling them, buying, buying them. So I don't own one right now. It's just a, it's, it's a huge volume of display space it requires. You don't, yeah. you think of it as, you know, long and narrow, but the wings actually require a lot of uh, volume to display it. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's really difficult to display for that reason. It does take up a lot of space and um, yeah, it's, it, it's a bummer, but going back to that Java, <laughs> um, that actually happened to mine as well. I, I, that 2010 Java, it has like a different, uh, it's a little bit more rubbery, I guess, than, than any of the others that they've done over the last like couple decades. But mine had that same issue. Like it was starting, especially in the bottom, like when I was pulling it yes. off of the dais, the day, it was like starting to like get stuck to it almost. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I finally put that one away and I just put the Black Series one on on uh, on there. And uh, it, it kind of just remained there until you know, the other day when I opened up the barge and I migrated all those figures into the barge. <laughs> okay. So as far as how you've assembled your own barge, um, what kind of figures have you put in it so far? Uh, so I have actually, ever since the Nikto gunner came out in the legacy collection with the rail cannon, um, I've been prepping for a sail barge to come out. So I've been <laughs> buying two of every single figure that could go in the palace or the barge then this entire time with plans of, just stuffing them all inside the barge whenever it came out. And then I realized that I don't know if I want to open the sides of my, my barge because I don't know if I, I don't really want dust getting in there. It might be hard to clean. So I'm having that debate with myself right now, but um, I do have different aspects of the, of the 
battle that took place on the deck. I have that. So I have a couple Gamorian guards. I got Vism. I've got um, I've got that Nikto gunner, nice at. I've got him popping out of the hatch. I've got Woof, Luke, uh, Leia on the cannon. Um, yeah, for for the purposes of my video, and uh, if anyone hasn't seen that yet, I will I will throw a link down in the show notes. Um, it's a long video. It's about twenty seven minutes long, but it did take a long time to make and. Um, it's, it's pretty thorough. So I will link that. Uh, what I did for that video is I just threw everything that I had from, well, most everything from Jabba's palace in there, uh, just to get through that video. And then after I was able to actually get it on the shelf and, you know, kind of be a little more specific with what I wanted to do. Uh, I basically on the top deck, I recreated like return of the Jedi, like the, you know, the things that happened, like, uh, 3PO on the very top with R2 and his eye hanging out. Um, <laughs> I have Luke up there. I have Leia on the gunner as well, on the gun. And then uh, I have uh, on the inside, on the lower deck, I have kind of like a, just a, a classic, you know, Jabba's palace or Jabba's sail barge sort of scenario where, you know, he's there holding up his glass, the glass that comes with the, uh, the Leia figure, slave Leia. Uh, and um, he's surrounded by... Uh, all of the uh, characters that you see in in Return of the Jedi in the Sail Barge scene, and some of them that you don't really see that we know are there from stills from the film and so forth. Um, and then uh, as you go through it uh, in the kitchen, I actually so you know the two uh, the two drummers that they came out with uh, like a decade oh, yes, ago. Yeah. Yep. So I didn't really have room for the band in in the barge. Like I put Max Rebo in there, and that was about it. So. I took those two drummers and actually put him to work in the kitchen. <laughs> um, like the bigger one, because, you know, his legs are the way that his legs are done. You can't really pose them or anything. Um, right. He looks perfect, like just hovering over the kitchen sink. And then uh, the other one, I have him like more towards the back, like on the on the bench, like we're in the, in the little armory. Um, so so that's fun. And then in the prison, I didn't put anybody in the prison. But uh, I have like right outside it, uh, the two from uh, Return of the Jedi after Luke kills the uh, the Rancor. Um, is it uh, Malakili? Uh, your guess is as good as mine on that. <laughs> Malakili? I don't know. Um, him and then the the, the other uh, the other skiff guard looking uh, character that was yeah. about to, to kill Luke. Yeah, Geron, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah. Sounds about Giron or yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, they're in there together, uh, just kind of guarding it because it just felt like that's what they would do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I don't have anybody in the cockpit, though. I was going to put those two uh, drummers in there, but then I decided, well, OK, it's up on the shelf. I can't even see that from from my perspective. So I just covered it with the panel. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun thing because when you see this thing like it, it's a, the barge in and of itself is amazing when you look at it. It's so detailed. Um, but then when you have the figures in there, that's when it really comes to life. It, and it, it, it is truly fun because some of the, of the features aren't advertised on the packaging. At least I didn't see it. Uh, you mentioned C-3PO and R2-D2. The railing actually detaches there. You can pull that section of railing out so you can recreate the scene where R2-D2 pushes C-3PO at the end of the battle into the sand so they can be picked up. Uh, and, you know, there's other things as I was going through. I'm like, oh, I didn't know it did this, did that. So it's, it does kind of give you that little bit of that, you know, Christmas morning feel when you start interacting with it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it does have a lot of features. And that's thing we, we kind of skimmed over a little bit is there are a lot of little things that are integrated into the barge. And um, I, I love how it has like the prison, the prison trap door with the little button. Yeah, um, that's just like super, super fun. Uh, and then uh, the, the little um, 
what do you call it? Uh, the, the little smuggling compartment. Yes. Um, that's, that's great. I mean, you could store, you know, weapons, figures, whatever in there. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's just got all these things built into it. Even, even, a Jabba's dice, like sliding back and forth. Right. Um, I thought that was really cool. I think it actually would have been cool if maybe a little cooler if it slid forward and back rather than side to side, but that's just, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. In fact, that's what I tried intuitively. That's what I tried to do at first. <laughs> um, I, I try to slide it forward. I'm like, Oh no, it goes, goes left to right. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's great. And I mean, like we were saying, the detailing on this thing is, is absolutely stunning. Um, my husband usually doesn't really care for any of this stuff. Um, he, he's happy that it makes me happy to collect, but it's not really his thing. Uh, he tolerates it pretty well though. Um, but I pulled him in and I said, okay, I got to show you the, I know you don't really care for this stuff, but you know, sit down and take a look at the details inside this thing. And he was pretty blown away. Um, so I mean, that, that really says something. They really went out of their way to make this special, um, by incorporating all of these detailing. I don't know where I read it, but I I think I had read somewhere that there were like a thousand different, um, that mm-hmm. that was that was the uh, the round robin Q and A at uh, Toy Fair, a thousand different paint applications to it, which is amazing. Yeah, and the the one that blows me away is is how realistic they got the wood to look. It looks like it looks it, like wood yeah, inside. It 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 truly does. Uh, all of the details, anything that's supposed to look metal looks metal. Anything that's supposed right. to look wood looks like wood. Um, it, even like the bits like in the prison cell when you look in there it looks grimy it looks like it's right. raw, yeah it's, it's it's crazy like the level they went to, to to make everything so detailed and so realistic and uh, I, I really got to hand it to them I know this thing was expensive and I know that you know a lot of people took issue with that and with the whole HasLab crowdfunding thing but I really feel like they delivered in this case and and as far as a crowd I'd, I'd rather have it than not and if this is the only way we can get it and uh, little it was you know the waiting for it to come and and, and the delivery that that part's a little stressful but i also appreciate i don't mind putting my money where my mouth is you know we said we want this type of thing for a long time you know that kind of the 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 toy that bridges a a true toy kind of like the you know with we were getting in the line for a long time with the nerf cannon features we wanted something that wasn't really a true toy but really more of an environment or display piece or a replica Mm -hmm. Uh, and and they delivered it they delivered it, and I'm happy that we were able to pony up and say, yes, we, we've been saying we want this, and we were able to actually put our money where our mouths were. Totally agree. I mean, if, if, it, was, if it was either this or not getting it at all, then, you know, you know, sure, let's crowdfund it. And uh, I say the same thing about exclusives a lot of the time because, um, uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of lines have exclusive items that you can only get at one store or another. Some countries don't have those stores. People get upset and... Uh, that's completely understandable, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, if it either came down to this being a Target exclusive or not happening, you know, make it a Target exclusive. <laughs> I'll be okay right. with that. And it's funny. We always we always do get upset about that. In in the long run, I don't think any of them have ever been hard to acquire. It, it might take a little more effort, but not, it's not impossible. I was very stressed out about the uh, Dr. Afra uh, San Diego Comic-Con three-pack. About, about getting that and ended up being very, as usual, <laughs> being what wasn't worth the stress that I put into it. Yeah, yeah, that one did did stay up there on online for a bit, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, did. Yeah, so it's it, it's really cool. I'm, I'm really happy to have this thing. Uh, as far as uh, whether or not this is like the centerpiece or, or the ultimate Star Wars vehicle that Hasbro slash Kenner have ever done, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is this like the definitive Star Wars collectible for the collection? 
for the for the modern line, I would say absolutely. This is you know everybody immediately started comparing it to the USS flag from GI Joe, um, and I have to agree with that. To me, this this is the this is the holy grail for especially for vehicles for the modern line, and as you mentioned, just the work that went into it. Um, it just to, to to think, you know, this this really almost goes to the point of being uh, blurring the line to, to art. I think Mark Boudreau clearly poured his heart and soul into this, and it and it shows. And for that reason, I'm thrilled to to have it in my collection. And um, one point I made when when this was going on is is um, this can be taken the wrong way. I hope nobody does. Um, but you know, when you talk about collectibles, certain things become quote unquote sticky. With by that means. Once people acquire it, they don't move on from it, and I think that's going to be the case for the sale barge. Once people get one, that's it. It's not going to go. You're not going to find it on eBay or in a yard sale or at a flea market or anything like that. Once people get this, it's going to stay in their home for till, till, till they pass on, probably. Yeah, I I would have to agree with all that. I mean, when I posted my video of it, um, I don't know if you had, did. You get a chance to check out my video that I did. I meant to watch it today, and I got busy at work. Right on. Um, a couple of the comments on there were like, oh, you know, good for you. You spent $500 on this vehicle. Just wait till, you know, it, it hits clearance in a couple of months for $250. <laughs> and, I was, and then somebody else said something like, okay, great. I can't wait to find it in a, in a thrift store in a couple of years. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking like, guys, I know that would normally be the case with a lot of, you know, modern day Star Wars or whatever, you know, branded collectibles and toys, but that ain't going to happen with this thing. Nope, it, it it absolutely isn't. Um, it's it, it it it's going to be one of those things where I could see, um, you know, kind of we talked about Yak Face. I, I didn't know about the vintage, so I did collect from from day one, from 1978 um, on. If I'm dating myself, but I, I did collect from from then on. Um, I did not know about the Power of the Force 85 Yak Face until Power of the Force 2 came out, and somebody told me about it. I had no idea it existed. I could obviously we're in the information age, so so this would be a bit of a stretch. But I could see 10, 15 years from now, people almost forgetting that this was made because they're not going to be. It's not going to be in circulation. Um, I could see it being that type of collectible. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, it, it is going to be very obscure, and especially if they don't expand the Power of the Force vintage collection line with other offerings. If it's like a right. one-off thing, which it seems like it, it probably will be. Uh, then I think that it's going to be especially, yeah, exactly as you're saying, uh, if anybody hears about it, they might be like, wait, what? Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, everything about this whole thing feels like special, whether it's absolutely even as minor as like the booklet. Um, but I mean, just having the barge and the Jabba and the figure, you know, the yak face, like every aspect of it, you know, feels like you know, a lot of passion went into it. And it's really amazing to see what Hasbro is capable of when they want to do something, uh, you know, for the collector or something very special. And they, they truly hit all of those goals here. Uh, absolutely. And it, like you said, it, it always feels good with, with that power. Even, even the original mock-up, I know we didn't get it. The fact that it was the bilingual card, just that wink to let them, you know, it kind of lets us know, hey, we're just as passionate as you are. Absolutely. So, uh, Chris, do you have any uh, outlook for the future of uh, HasLab or anything you'd like to see happen in the future? Um, just more. That's been my <laughs> theme. Um, you know, as as uh, you know, Bantha Skull is a three and three quarter inch website, and I'm a three and three quarter inch collector. And that's my only gripe right now. Just more, more. Give me more. And <laughs> every channel, every channel you can get out there. If it's HasLab, if it's that adventure set. I mean, what a, what a 
great way what what you know great out out of the box thinking that adventure set to get us you know two repacks but they were original 92 or original 96 figures so you know the collectors are clamoring you know we want all the original 96 kenner figures in the vintage collection but when they're repacks that could tend to gum up the retail pipeline um so you have that adventure set and you repack them in there carded you you get you know you you got a two for one there it doesn't it's not going to blow block up the retail pipeline which you know needs to be best used for fresher product Mm -hmm. um you know for the main line but it gets it gets it out to the collectors who want that sort of thing so i'm excited about that type of stuff and and i just hope hasbro keeps taking advantage of every every uh program you know distribution program they have 100 percent. yeah um I, I completely agree. It's, it's ingenious the way that they 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 approach that Java's Palace adventure set. Um, I'd love to see them do that with a, a new Cantina adventure set or yes, uh, you know a Bespin play set. I mean, just keep you know using that approach to offer uh, the product that you know the longtime collectors want and are passionate about, and you know will will buy it in probably multiples, obviously. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, here's hoping that, you know, they keep things up. I mean, things look great that are coming in the vintage collection later this year. Uh, I think as long as they, they find the right balance, not so many repacks, not so many more, you know, sequel trilogy oriented figures. Um, but you know, keep, keep focused on the stuff that people are asking for. And, uh, I mean, I think they'll keep winning every time if they keep putting that game plan forward. And if, if it's repacks, as long as they're smart repacks, People aren't going to complain. There, there's ones that people would repacks that people would jump up and down about if they if they were re-released. Uh, so as long as they do smart ones, I think we'll be okay. Absolutely. Uh, well, Chris, do you have any final thoughts on the sale barge or anything else you'd like to mention? Um, I was I was talking to John from the um, the Vintage Collection um, Facebook group, and one curious thing: you know how collectibles always tend to have that one state that is always considered most desirable. So for a vintage Kenner card, you want unpunched and offerless. It doesn't have the sticker on the card. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what that state is for the sail barge. I don't think it's sealed inside the shipper box. Personally, I don't know about you. Uh, that that to me that has no appeal as a collectible. So that kind of never opened before. I don't think that's going to command a huge premium down the line, as mm-hmm. far as a collectible state. I think it, I think this one's fine to open up. To tell you the truth. Right. Yeah. That's that's a good point. It's kind of hard to say. <laughs> I mean, there's no way there's no way somebody's going to have a perfectly intact box. So, any stress you put it through, but there's no, it's not sealed. Any stress you put it through opening it up, I don't think it's going to affect the long-term collectability. Right, and you can also tell by the the tabs on the box, like if they've been pulled, because they right. get a little bit stressed when you're pulling on them. So. Yes. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think any which way you you slice it, this is something really special, and I think if yeah. you did support it during the campaign that. You're probably going to enjoy it for the rest of your life. I hope right. that I am. <laughs> and, um, you know, truly, it is the centerpiece of my modern Star Wars toy collection, as you noted. It's it's a very special item. It's the kind of thing you walk into the room and your eyes, you know, just wander over to it because it's this huge thing up on the shelf. And, I mean, it looks so realistic and so incredible. And I'm really happy to have it. And it's the type of thing that, it, unless somebody really is into the hobby... They're not going to know what it is when they walk in, walk in your house and see it for the first time. You're going to get that, what is that type of reaction, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another cool thing about it is that it's not a, an X-Wing. It's not a TIE fighter. It is something that's a little bit more film specific, but also only, I think we only see it on film for like seven or eight minutes or something. Right. So, yeah, I think that makes it all the more special though, personally. But 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. You guys do fantastic work over on BanthaSkull.com. Uh, I assume that most people listening are familiar with Bantha School, but if not, I will throw a link down in the show notes and I encourage everybody to head on over there and check it out. Appreciate this. Is, as always, this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, so where else can our listeners find you on the social medias? Uh, Bantha Skull has, uh, um, we're on Facebook primarily and Instagram. Um, Instagram is probably the one that has our most uh, uh, traction right now. Um, I don't have the address, but if you go to BanthaSkull.com, the social media buttons are in the uh, upper right of the page. Uh, on desktop and on mobile, will be at the top of the page with the social media buttons will be there. Um, you mentioned the, um, the, the gunship. We found one thing that Instagram goes crazy for gunships. Ah, put, good to know. <laughs> put that put that in the picture you'll get likes like you wouldn't believe oh wow <laughs> awesome uh well chris thanks for all the hard work that you guys put out through banthaschool.com and i hope that everybody goes and checks it out thank you very much In our next episode, we will continue our long-term look at the Star Wars toy line with part three of the Star Wars modern toy line retrospective. I recently got a chance to chat with the world-famous Dan Curto about the power of the Jedi line, so stay tuned for that episode as he is always lots of fun to listen to. I've also gotten quite a bit of positive feedback about this series on YouTube, so I'm really glad that you guys are enjoying it and supporting the series. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate Cantina Chatter and leave a review. In fact, be sure to do that no matter where you're checking out the show, whether it be Google Play or Podomatic or YouTube or anywhere else. This show is a labor of love and it is here for all of you to enjoy. If you're so inclined, Victoria's Cantina is on Patreon. To gain greater access to Victoria's Cantina and help keep the lights on, be sure to hit that link in the show notes. You can also follow us on Facebook by searching for Victoria's Cantina, Instagram at Victoria's Cantina, and Twitter at Vic's Cantina. As always, thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. <laughs>